please join me in reading from the scriptures. Uh, We will be reading from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So with a new season, a new month comes a new series, and this September we're going to be actually unpacking something that you heard from a little earlier this morning. In our call to worship, we acknowledge the variety of reasons that people would walk through the doors of a church. Some of the words echo this way, we've gathered here this morning as a community called together by God. We are here to respond to God's activity in our lives and to recenter ourselves in the story of Jesus. And I think for a lot of us, this is this kind of recentering is one of the best ways to think about what happens here on a Sunday. It's kind of like if you've seen either the commercials or maybe you've driven a vehicle with lane assist. I think Sunday morning is like lane assist in a vehicle, right? It's like during the course of the week, sometimes we like maybe fall asleep a little at the wheel or we're just a little distracted driving and we find ourselves veering into the other lane and all of a sudden the steering wheel just magically turns and now we're back in our lane. That's kind of what Sunday morning is, right? It's a little lane assist. We're, we're helping us stay on the path. That's what we're doing here. But of course, not everyone, not everyone shows up in church on a Sunday morning saying, I want to stay on this path. I want to go in this direction. I'm here to respond to God. There are other reasons that a person would show up in church. And so we acknowledge that in our call to worship. Some of you are here for other reasons too. A spiritual curiosity, a longing for community, or maybe a restlessness in your soul. And so we're going to validate these different reasons for being here and consider how God can use a church like Elevation to respond to whatever reason brought someone here on a Sunday morning. As we say, whatever your reasons, you are welcome here. So we're going to ask this question, why do people continue to walk through the doors of a church? And this morning, for some of you, it's a spiritual curiosity that has drawn you to one of the few places where questions about the meaning of life are welcomed and where faith is still encouraged. And we're going to use this story from Luke 19 to guide our conversation. So Luke 19 begins this way, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And when I read that, I thought, you know what, passing through basically describes my summer. My entire summer was just passing through from one city to the next. It was just, uh, I was actually looking at my calendar, and I noticed that from August 12th to September the 1st, there was only one day that I was not in another city. I was in some other city, like every single day during that period. I went as far west as Calgary, as far south as Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as far east as Cooperstown, New York, and as far north in Ontario, at least, as the Muskokas. And I felt a little like Johnny Cash said to the trucker who picked him up on the Winnemucca Road, I've traveled every road in this here land. That's what I feel like. But as sick as I am of driving, I kind of wonder if Jesus ever got sick of walking, because he did a lot of walking, a lot of walking. Back in the spring, we did this series where we were talking about Jesus, his long walk toward Jerusalem. And we talked about how in Luke chapter 9, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And here we are in chapter 19, 10 chapters later, he's still walking. 
And as he walks through Jericho, we meet a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Now, aside from the new stickers that you'll see on gas pumps, we rarely think about where our money goes when we pay taxes, right? And it's never a person who takes our money. If I was to say, who is your tax collector? You'd be like, what are you talking about, right? See, over the years, people have learned that it's not a good idea to, to actually go up and ask someone and demand them for money. So instead, like, our tax conductors are all anonymous. We don't know their names. We don't know what they do. And they don't even take our physical money. They just take digits out of our bank account, right? Like, someone figured this out. But for Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. This was his job, to go up to people and say, you need to give me this much money. Now, his occupation didn't carry a salary. No one paid him what to, uh, for this job. In fact, what he did is he determined how much he would take from the people that he was collecting taxes for. So the o- occupying people, they said, okay, you need to get this much from every person. So he would go up to them and he would tell the person, this is how much you owe. And he'd give the occupying authorities what they needed, and then he would take the rest for himself. That's how Zacchaeus became not only a tax collector, but a wealthy tax collector. And so verse 3, we learn that he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. There are so many little details in the story that I just love. One of, the fact, one of them is the fact that it was a wealthy person who was looking for Jesus. Because I think sometimes, especially in a relatively affluent country, we have this idea that people who have material possessions, that people who are wealthy, that they don't need God. But I feel like this story is a reminder that that's not the case, that everyone has a search in this, in this need, and that even people who have money, even people who've got it made materially, are still looking for God. We might think the same thing about education, that, well, maybe people who are really educated, maybe they're not searching for God, but people who are really educated do continue to search. The English writer Samuel Johnson once wrote that curiosity is one of the permanent and certain characteristics of a vigorous intellect. The person who is really trying to figure out what is this life all about is bound to be asking questions about spirituality. And so spiritual curiosity is not limited to one segment of the population. It's not just for the rich or the poor or the educated or the uneducated or the introverted or the extroverted or the young or the old. It's not even just for the religious and not for the agnostic. It is for every person. Like most people in our own day, Zacchaeus had heard something about Jesus. Obviously, there was a reason he wanted to see him. He'd heard something about him, but he wanted to find out for himself. But there was a problem. What Zacchaeus had gained in wealth, well, he lacked in stature, and this got in the way of his seeing. There's a crowd going around, and he couldn't see Jesus, and so he had to do something about this. I want us to think about the different barriers that we face in our seeking, in our spiritual searching, right? We're going to talk about this in discussion, and if this is your first time at Elevation, this is just a heads up that what we do uh, for the last 20, 25 minutes of our time together is we gather around tables in the gym, and we discuss what I've kind of introduced here this morning. And so one of the questions is going to ask you to think about the different kinds of barriers that get in the way of people seeing Jesus. Now, you, might, you probably won't say someone's stature, because that doesn't really matter today, but maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's an idea that someone has that gets in the way of them searching out spiritual answers. Or maybe it's an experience that a person has had in their life that gets in the way of spiritual searching. Or maybe it's even a person. Maybe it's a relationship with someone that continues to stand in the way of them seeking out God. So we're going to talk about those uh, examples in our discussion time. In the pew in front of you, at least in some of you, we have scattered around here this morning this little brochure, and for those of you who are new, we'd encourage you to pick it up and take a read through it. You're welcome to take it home. But there's a little sleeve in it that says, we like to say that Elevation is a place for the spiritually curious. And if that's you, you'll fit right in. And that is our our hope and our intention. We do 
think that as far as churches go, this is a great place to bring your spiritual questions and to find some answers and to journey with other people in the midst of your seeking. But I also have to acknowledge right out of the gate that despite our best efforts and our intentions, church itself can be a barrier for even the most spiritually curious people. I mean, first of all, you have to get up on a Sunday morning. I mean, that's a barrier, right? And then you've got to show up in a place, and often uh, you won't understand maybe what the lyrics mean. Melissa did a good job kind of explaining some of the difficult lyrics in one of our songs. And so you can feel maybe a little bit lost, or maybe you look around and you think, I don't know all these people. Everyone seems to know everyone else. Or, or maybe you just kind of feel out of place. And I hope that's not the case, but just want to acknowledge, just be honest, that church itself actually can be a barrier, and hopefully it's not a barrier that we can't overcome together. And you know what? This is true whether you walk in for the first time or you've been here for a decade. Because we talk about people who are spiritually curious. This isn't just for someone. I'm not just talking about someone who's never been to church before or someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus. I'm talking about those of us who've been following for decades, and there's still a curiosity. And church can actually still create barriers. Barriers like unwritten expectations where we think that maybe we won't be accepted with the peers here. Or maybe that there are unwelcome questions. I have questions about God or questions about faith or questions about church or questions about Jesus, but I can't ask them here. And I guess when we talk about being a place for the spiritually curious, I want to make it clear that that means everyone, regardless of how new you are to this or how long you've been journeying. So what do you do when something gets in the way of your spiritual curiosity? Well, Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. If something is getting in the way of your searching, then do whatever it takes to overcome it. That's what you do. It might require effort. It might take time. It might even be embarrassing. I mean, when was the last time you climbed a tree? Some of our, like, 13 and 14-year-olds here this morning, maybe you're like, this weekend. But I'm guessing a lot of people in this room probably haven't climbed a tree in a little while. I was actually thinking of preaching the sermon from the tree back there, but I don't know if those branches are quite… Uh... It wasn't that funny. Um, gosh, now you threw me off. That was, supposed to, that was supposed to elicit like a, like a gentle laugh, not like a bellow. Anyways, whatever. So yeah, it might even be embarrassing. You might need to put yourself in an awkward situation in order to, to, cert, to seek out what you're, what you're looking for. So Zacchaeus climbs a tree, which, you know, might have been a, a difficult thing or an embarrassing thing for him. But if we rewind just like one chapter in Luke's gospel, we realize that actually just before entering Jericho, Jesus had valued, had affirmed the value of children, as was mentioned earlier. Dave mentioned that earlier during the dismissal. He, did, he had affirmed the value of children, and he did, had instructed his disciples to let the children come to him and actually to have a childlike faith themselves. So it's kind of interesting that like in chapter 18, Jesus is saying, you kind of got to be like children sometime. And then in chapter 19, we got a grown man climbing up a tree. It's actually really fascinating, just as a slight aside, there are six episodes in Luke chapter 18, and if you take like the main figure from each of those six episodes, this is what you've come up with. You would come up with a persistent, childlike, wealthy tax collector grabbing Jesus' attention on the way to Jerusalem. Six separate episodes that actually all describe Zacchaeus, who the story is all about in chapter 19. But there are some differences between the chapters too. At the end of chapter 18, it's a blind beggar who calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But in this case, in Luke 19, it's not Zacchaeus who calls out. Actually, it's Jesus. So when I was thinking about 
Zacchaeus and his short stature, I kind of got wandering around the interweb and discovered, I was like, well, I wonder who the shortest person ever was. And the shortest person ever was Chandra Bahadur Danji. And he was the shortest person of all time. He came in at 21.5 inches tall. Now, some of you have had a baby and remember how long they were when they were born, are like, that's like the length of my newborn child. So this guy was short. And I read up a little bit of his story. And before that he was recognized by the Guinness World Records back in 2012 as the world's shortest man, he had never left his home village. And at the time, he would be about 70 years old. So he had never left his home village. And I was thinking about how initially his short stature may have been a barrier to him leaving that village, but it also ended up being his ticket out. This thing that was the barrier to him leaving that, that village ended up taking him all over the world because it was the fact that he was so short that got him seen by Guinness and therefore by people all over the world as he traveled around with them. Zacchaeus' stature prevented him from seeing Jesus over the crowds, but his spiritual curiosity drove him up the sycamore fig tree, which enabled him to be seen by Jesus. You see, sometimes the thing that seems to get in the way of a person's spiritual search ends up being the very thing that helps them find what they're looking for. We can't allow initial barriers to get in the way. I had to make a last-minute change to my sermon this morning to celebrate Bianca Andrescu's win yesterday at the U.S. Open. And I was thinking, like, imagine if she's on the tennis court for the first time, and she loses, and she's like, well, I tried to use the, win the U.S. Open, and I failed. And she put her racket down, and that was it. No, she lost, and she lost again, and she lost again, and she lost, she lost many times in her career, many times since she started playing tennis. And now she's at this place. So what does she do now? She's won the U.S. Open. Is this it? Does she retire at age 19? She could. Something tells me she won't, right? Something tells me that the curiosity keeps going. Even after she got what she was after, she's going to keep going, right? Well, when Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Okay, first of all, who does this? Who invites themselves over to someone's house for dinner? Don't put your hand up because that would be even more embarrassing than climbing a tree as an adult. Who does this? And I know some of you are like, well, now I'm going to start doing this. And I'll just say, well, Jesus did it, right? So I'll just invite myself over to people. Nobody does this. But Jesus clearly cared more about Zacchaeus than he did about social etiquette. Many people in the crowd that day, they got to see Jesus, but they clearly weren't that interested in him. But he noticed the one who was. He noticed the one who was interested, and he didn't miss the opportunity. Now, sometimes in our seeking Things don't go the way that we would like them to go. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge the role that we, as followers of Jesus and as a church, sometimes play in that. Uh, my daughter played in, uh, competed nationally in her fast pitch championships in August, and we were traveling out to Calgary. And I have a, a friend there that I dropped a line. I said, hey, I'm going to be there. Uh, let's connect. And he said, yeah, I'm flying out kind of that night, but I'll have time during the day. Drop, give me a call in the morning. And so I gave him a call. I'm like, all right, so when are we going to connect today? And he said, actually, he said, um, my daughter's popping by the house in a couple hours, haven't seen her all week, so yeah, it's not going to work to connect. And I'm thinking, dude, like I haven't seen you in years. I traveled from another province. You, you haven't seen your daughter in a week. And I, was, I didn't say that. I, I said, hey, I get it. And I hung up the phone. Sometimes in, when we seek and, and sometimes when we search actually there, there can be discouragements along the way. And sometimes the people that we care about can actually let us down in this. And I think there's this great, uh, this great line in a Keith Green song that kind of acknowledges the fact that, that individuals and churches 
fail sometimes in our hospitality to people who are seeking spiritually. And Keith Green wrote this song to his parents, and I love the line. He says, please try and overlook my human side. I know I'm such a bad example, and you know I'm so full of pride. But Jesus isn't like that now. He's perfect all the way. I guess that's why we need him, because by ourselves there's just no way. This acknowledgement that when people are searching spiritually, when people are, are asking, they're reaching out, that sometimes we aren't paying attention. Sometimes we're like, eh, I've got something else going on. Sometimes we don't give the answer that the person who's seeking is looking for. Now, according to Luke, Zacchaeus' goal was to see who Jesus was. That's it. He just wanted to see Jesus. He was having a, like a physical problem seeing Jesus, so he got up in the tree. Okay, now I've seen him. That appeared to be the goal. But as the story unfolds, there's a reminder here that we shouldn't sell ourselves short. We all need something more than a glimpse. None of us should have this goal of like, I kind of want to see Jesus from a distance. We shouldn't sell ourselves short. Every one of us needs to know that we matter to God. We need to hear similar words of invitation from Jesus in our own lives. Now, Jesus invites Zacchaeus down, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. There's the discouragement right away. Like, what right does this person have to do hanging out with this famous rabbi who's walking around performing miracles and healing people and this brilliant teacher? What right does this person have? And to that, I would just say, if you somehow think that Jesus can't handle your mess, that he wouldn't want to come over to your house, that he wouldn't want to be involved in, in your life, then you're mistaking him for the crowds in this story. They were the ones that had the problem with Jesus hanging out with a sinner, this guy who'd ripped all kinds of people off and taken their money. But unlike the crowds, Jesus isn't scared off by anything or anyone. He wanted to spend time with this guy. didn't matter what he did or who he was. When you run with your spiritual curiosity, Jesus takes notice. And so we're trying to be a church here where there's safety to ask questions, to express doubts, to articulate fears, to be messy because we believe that that's when Jesus shows up with an invitation. One of the places I mentioned visiting this summer was Cooperstown, New York. Jude and I went on a road trip. We, Melissa and I have done this with our kids before in the summer before they hit high school. And so we went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I did this with Owen a number of years ago. And so when Owen and I were down there, we discovered that there's this place you can go and there's a radar gun. So you can go and pitch in this machine and it will tell you how fast you throw. And so um, basically we went there and, uh, and Jude and Owen had a little bit of a bet. And so they had this wager, because when Owen was down there, now he was like nine months old, younger than Jude was at the time, but he threw, he threw 70 miles an hour, and then he had this bet. He's just like, you know, they had this $5 wager that if, if Jude threw under 70 miles an hour, then he had to pay Owen five bucks, and if he threw over, then Owen would pay him $5. So Jude stepped in there, and I'd just say he was a little nervous. <laughs> he was like, oh, geez, haven't thrown in a couple of weeks. He's like, oh, arm's a little stiff here. I'm just like, here come the excuses. You haven't even got in the building yet. But he stepped in and threw 76 and came home and got the prize money from his brother. It was awesome. It's one of these things where some things in life, it's actually really easy to satisfy your curiosity. He's like, how fast do I throw? Oh, there's the answer. Done. Search over. He doesn't need to continue searching. He found the answer just like that. But spiritual curiosity doesn't work that way. It can't be satisfied so easily. As soon as you find one answer, it's like there's another question that immediately bubbles to the surface. And then you find out one thing, and, and all of a sudden there's another step immediately to be taken. It's not just a number to be learned. It's not just one-time experience. I like what Frederick Buechner says, what no person has a right to do is delude others into the belief that faith is something of no great significance or that it's an easy matter. 
whereas it is the greatest and most difficult of all things. A life of faith is difficult. It's not just throw a ball, get a number, you're done. It's a lifetime of searching and seeking. Now, this chief tax collector's searching led him to Jesus, and his life was dramatically altered. The people in the crowds are complaining. How could Jesus hang out with the sinners? Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that Jesus actually didn't say anything about his shady dealings. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, come down there. I must eat with you today as long as you take care of the whole, this whole like, lifestyle thing where you've been ripping people off financially first. He didn't say anything about it. It was almost as though Zacchaeus' life was already primed for change, as if he already knew what he had to do next. And I wonder if that's the case for a lot of us who are seeking spiritually, that we actually kind of know what needs to happen next. And maybe it's an encounter with Jesus that's going to push us into that action. Now, here's an important piece of the story, I think. Curiosity shouldn't be left to run in circles. I said, yes, truly, that your curiosity is never really satisfied when it comes to faith. There's going to be, there are going to be more questions in that. But our curiosity, once a piece of it is satisfied, should be followed with some kind of action. It's going, an encounter with God is going to change our lives. It's going to impact the way we live. And then we continue, yes, seeking and asking questions. But there's constant change taking place. We can take meaningful steps forward in faith while remaining curious. I read a book a few years ago, and I jotted this passage down. It was, it's a story of a bishop who was going through a rite of passage with some young students in his congregation. And he, he writes in their faces... I could see how faith should always be. It fits them loosely now, I thought, leaving room for growth. It will not always feel so comfortable. I wanted to warn them of the stress that comes with progress, that they'll never wear the faith so easily again. The cruel paradox of faith. With each sacrament, there are new questions and fewer answers. Growth and curiosity the elements of crisis. I think it's a beautiful passage because it acknowledges the truth that the more we grow in faith, the more questions come. But already, right at the beginning, this initial act of faith on Zacchaeus' part was enough to inspire Jesus to say, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, this encounter with Zacchaeus was not a one-off conversion story. It's not like this is the only time this kind of thing ever happened. It's part of a long line of similar encounters, some of which we read about in the Bible, and many countless encounters that have happened over the last 2,000 years since these pages were written. If we're serious, though, about being people who live by the pattern of Jesus, we ought to have the same motivation in our lives as Jesus had to seek and to save to seek out the seekers, to pay attention to the people who are trying to pay attention to the questions about what life is all about and what role does God have in any of this, if he does. Henry Nouwen encourages us that ministry means the ongoing attempt to put one's own search for God with all of the moments of pain and joy, despair and hope at the disposal of those who want to join this search but do not know how. And so for those of us who make up this Elevation community, this is a challenge for us. How can we make our own ongoing search, our own ongoing journey of faith, how can we put that at the disposal of people who maybe are just beginning the journey? How could your life become a place where Jesus can be found? Are you willing to call out those to those who are searching 
and like Jesus, invite yourself to join their journey. Not to wait around for them to ask you to invite you in, but to say, I can tell you're searching. I'm going to invite myself over to your house for dinner. It's a challenge for us to think about this morning. I'm going to invite those who are serving communion to come forward. And I want us to think about this theme as we prepare to to gather at the table this morning. What about you? What questions do you have? What answers are you waiting for? Are you hoping to get a glimpse of Jesus? Maybe for the first time, but maybe for the first time in a little while. Whether that little while is a week or a summer or a year or a decade, are you hungry to get a glimpse of Jesus? I want us to think about the words that Jesus said, and I want us to hear them for ourselves this morning. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so today, we have pieces of bread and cups of juice representing Christ's body and blood broken and shed for us. When we take part in this, we remember God sending this amazing gift of his son. We remember the impact of Christ's death. Forgiveness of sins is what Jesus said. And so we remember that. I'm going to invite you to come and take, and you can share the elements right up here at the front and then head back to your seats later. But as you come this morning, I want to encourage you to walk down the aisle as if you're climbing down the branches of a sycamore fig tree where Jesus is waiting for you. Come. We will sing out grace, for the way that you welcome us in, you welcome our questions, our doubts, our brokenness. We thank you. You are so good. And we come sometimes with these words that we don't understand and maybe don't even know that we fully believe, but we come with those broken praises. And we thank you, God, that you receive us. We will cry out hallelujah. We will sing out hallelujah. And we trust that you are here.